Welcome to the Dwelling Podcast. We're so glad you tuned in. Our hopes is that this message inspires you and builds your faith today. Um, thank you for the opportunity to bring the word to me. It's always, um, I don't know how many times I preach, I don't count, but every single time there's this nervousness because I believe that one little thing from God can change so many things. And I believe that the Word of God is something that can transform people just like this. Just like you don't have to work it up. You don't have to make it great. It's just God's great, so He's going to do what He has to do. I learned that when I was a teenager. I played for a team because when I was in high school, um, (laughs) we had a team in high school. Yes. Well, we, we played together. We were called a polypus. Yeah, repeat that after me. Polypus. I was like, yeah, don't, uh, trust me. So our school mascot was a octopus. Yeah, right? What school, right of mine, would choose an octopus for a mascot? Well, the mascot had a holding a basketball and a football and a volleyball and a whatever else. That was our mascot. And then my, one of the coaches said, hey, Stefan, how about you join our team? I'm like, and then I hear about the colors, green and orange. I, I, I know, just the thought of it makes you a little puke. I mean, seriously, and the, and the polypus. But it was my school. I'm like, okay, we'll go there. So we started playing, you know, and playing basketball. And we're, we weren't that great. We weren't really that great. So we're losing by 60 points at halftime. I mean, a real 60 points. We, we were bad. I mean, there's bad. And then there's just bad. And then there's, and then there's polypus, yes. There's polypus bad. If you look in the dictionary, polypus bad, you're going to see a picture of us. Um, so it's, it's halftime. You know, the coach gets us together. And, you know, we had Ben on our team. Ben only wanted to score points. Didn't care about passing the ball. Right? Then we had Jimmy, and Jimmy just wanted to play defense. He didn't want to go try to score points. And then there was me. I just, I just wanted to be half decent on the team, you know. Can we at least look good? You know, even if we lose, can we? I was just one of those guys. And we're all huddling up, and our coach is giving us a pep talk, you know. Come on, guys. And here's how my brain works. I'm like, Looking at the people on the team, I'm like, what's going on here? We're losing my 60 points. You can do all the hype you want. It's not going to happen. And he's like, okay, guys, who's the best team? And this is where my brain should have just shut up. It peaked. I said, them, coach. I actually did. I actually did. Then the coach went like this, you know, with his glasses. He's... I said it out loud, right? And they started laughing, and, and, and we lost by 98 points. 117 to 19. Yeah, everybody, tap me on the back right now, because I, I still feel this sting of that. It was good, though, because the next time we lost again, 128 to 10. We're really bad. So we played together, 
but we weren't really a team. We played on the same court, used the same ball, had the same <laughs> ugly uniforms, wore this stupid little name, but we weren't really a team. We just weren't. It took a full year for us to actually become a team. We were still losing, but actually it was pretty decent when we lost, right? There is something about bringing people together that sometimes it doesn't mesh just like this because people are just people. I dislike Ben because he never passed the ball. Even when you're alone, you're like, okay, yeah, okay, go for it, Ben. Ben's got the ball. Do your thing. So I got irritated by it, told him. Then we got in an argument. Guess what he didn't do for the next two games? Passed me one ball, obviously. That was just it. So you can bring people together. It doesn't make them a team. It doesn't make them a unit. It doesn't make what Paul says today, unity. You can bring people in the same building. It doesn't make them a team. It doesn't make them a unit. It doesn't necessarily bring them to unity. Because we know how it is. People are just people. Oh, he gets on my nerves when he starts talking that way. Oh, we don't say it. I, I'm doing self-confession maybe, right? If it's your case, don't say amen. Somebody might know you're talking about them, right? And then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, this, this guy I don't like, this girl. I'm like, I don't know. They're nice, they're in church, but if I don't have to say hi to them, I won't. I'm sure none of you are that way. I'm sure. Because all, all your people are holy and you love people and you, you know you're gracious and, and all of that. But sometimes I'm like, you get on my nerves, but I can't say it. So my, 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 all my complexion, all my body language will say, I don't like you, but I won't tell you even if we go to the same church. Wow, we went from the polypist to this in five seconds, right? <laughs> All of a sudden, it went calm. Yes, this is what Paul talks about today. So for the last seven, eight weeks, we've been talking about how, what God has called us to be, that he brought us from the kingdom of darkness to this kingdom of light. Our identity is in him, that we are his workmanship. That we, it is so great, the work that he has done in us. And then Paul goes on and he starts talking about relationships how we deal with people from now on. The next few weeks is that. And he starts with this one. So let me read to you chapter four of Ephesians from verse one to verse six. You start, I'll be reading out of the NLT, okay? I, a prisoner for serving the Lord. That he starts off pretty rough, right? I beg you. Paul doesn't beg people anywhere else. But this one, he says, I beg you, come on, guys. You can do this. Please, come on. I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. We haven't been called by a company. We haven't been called by our talents. We haven't been called by our entrepreneurship spirit that we have. We have been called by God. That's what we've been called by. Thank you for that almost amen there. That was awesome. Love you, Matt. I knew where that came from. Verse two, 
Always be humble and gentle. I hate this verse. I don't know about you. I read this one. I'm like, what? Paul, really? Why? Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Come on. I should get at least an amen here. I want, please God help me with some people. And that's why I don't have my glasses. I can't look at anybody specific right now. I wouldn't do that, right? And some people are like, yeah, but I can see you. I'm being patient with you right now. Okay, I get it. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with the peace, with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all, in all and living through all. It's our glorious unity. This is what we're called to. A glorious unity. Not in words, but in deeds. Not in thoughts, but in actions. Very different. I remember there was this song in church when I grew up. It said this. Um, I love you with the love of the Lord. And if I'm the guy that says they're the better team, I also remember that song triggered something else in my brain. So what, you can't love me with your own love? You, you have to have the love of Jesus? Am I that despicable that you can't even love me? With your own love, you need the Lord's love to love me? Right? I, I don't ask me why I thought that. Probably because there were people that I didn't love that much. And maybe I wasn't that lovable to some people either. There's a few stories I could say, but this goes online. So I can't get in too many details of too many stories. Because they might not listen to this anyways, but they might hear it. It could be the parent when I was a, te when I was a youth pastor that started telling the pastor that the teenagers wanted to spend too much time with us you know, reading scripture and growing it and witnessing to their friends and coming over to our house and getting stuff ready to go serve the community. So that parent wasn't very, really happy about it. So she started gossiping in our backs. Yeah, talk about unity, right? I'm not blaming that person, by the way. Because my head was, when I heard about that, Jesus heard the filtered words. I, uh, thank you. Thank you. All you holier than thou. Right? It could be the day that I was supposed to be taking, a, taking up a church and the guy calls me up two weeks prior. He's like, oh, by the way, I'm not leaving. What do you, what do you mean by not leaving? <laughs> well, I mean not leaving. Oh, so it's okay that I don't have a job now. I don't have a house. I don't have a city anymore. I don't even have a church. I got two kids. What am I supposed to do now? Yeah, that was glorious unity, right? I don't know if those things happen to you. People that go in the same church and I'm like, oh, really? Really? I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not blaming anyone. That's not the thing. 
Because this would be the low way of doing things. Blaming others. And unity is not about blaming others. It's about our calling. When Paul says, live a life worthy of your calling, it doesn't mean you, you, know, you got to be perfect at what you do. That's not what he's talking about. But he is talking about a life aligned with what's supposed to be, though. The word worthy is just the just, same word as we, we get in English, an axle. It just drives in one direction. Not in many directions. Oh, we're united, but I do my thing, they do their thing, you know, and we don't get on each other's nerves. Well, that's not how it works. Glorious unity is that we actually go all together in the same direction. That's how it works. The axle of your car brings you in one direction. Can you imagine your axle said, you know what? Wheel right says to wheel left. You know what? I'm going right. You go left. See what happens. Now, you've seen that on the sideways, on the, on, the, on the side of the highways. Somebody lost a wheel. How does the car go? Nowhere, right? So when Paul says it is our calling, and he said it one, being one, being united, eight times in six verses. I think he's trying to get to a point here. I think he's trying to tell us something very important here. Because I beg you, walk in alignment with how God created us together to be one. Walking together in alignment. It doesn't mean we all agree and we all look at the, at the same thing the same way. That's not it. That's fine. Not an issue. But we've got to be walking in the same direction. Because here's the thing. If unity is our calling, be a life worthy of your calling, the funny part is that Paul says this, is that unity is actually given to us. Because we are one. That's, he said it eight times. So unity is given to us. We already have it. So when Paul says, keep the unity between yourselves, you only keep what you already have. You don't keep what you don't get. You don't keep what you don't have. So I've got a friend of mine, and if you're looking, Richard, I still love you, man. So we're in Virginia a few years ago, a couple years ago. Christmas Eve, we decided to go to Bush Gardens because it's fun, it's great, and it's cold, and it's awesome. But I'm a Canadian, what's cold? 27's not cold, it's chilly. Right? And it's about 27, and he's from California, you know, it's 75 and he's freezing cold. I'm like, it's okay, dude, Just, here's, my, here's my winter jacket. I'll be fine, I'll be okay. So I give him my winter jacket. I'm, I'm a little chilly then, but you know, it's okay. And he keeps my winter jacket for the rest of the winter in Virginia. <laughs> Richard, I still love you. And for the next year. And then we moved to Texas. It's like, Chantal, I don't have a winter coat anymore. Richard still has it. Because you get to keep what you have. So when Paul says, keep the unity, it's because we already have it. It's not something we strive for. It is something we already have. 
So unity is there and it's ours to keep and it's also ours to lose. Okay, let me repeat this one. He has given us unity. We are one, one body, one flesh. We are all of that. And all of a sudden he says, keep it. Keep the unity now. Just keep it, okay? Don't lose it. Because we are, it's given to us. We don't have to look for it. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to strive for it. We don't have to pray for it. We already have it. The issue is not having it. The issue is keeping it. So Paul says, okay, don't worry about it, guys. It's fine. You can keep it, keep the unity, because it's been given to us. A glorious unity is something we have. The issue is, if you're like me, you know that unity can be lost. It can be broken. It can be distorted. It can be all of the things that you can imagine. But it also can be restored if it's been lost, if it's been broken. It can be found again if it's been lost. Because it's ours to keep and ours to regain if we, by whatever means, we've lost it. Because Paul reminds us, we are one, we are united. And it's ours to make sure that we keep it. My dad used to tell me, my dad was a maple syrup um, maker. <laughs> don't know what you call those. Yeah, not, not the corn syrup that you buy at $1.19, wherever. I mean the real expensive thing. You, you guys know what I'm talking about? This little, you know, they sell it like this for eight bucks. And then you're like, I'm not going to be paying that. It's eight bucks. I'll buy the corn syrup. Just, ta just taste it once, okay? Just taste it once. Don't buy that one from Vermont. Buy the one from Canada. Well, honestly, it's the best one. But whoa, 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 whoa. Before you get offended, oh, this Canadian guy. By the way, I was an American before being a Canadian because I was born here, right? So, so my dad used to be a maple syrup maker, whatever, right? So I grew up going to the sugar shack and seeing all the maple trees and all of that and seeing the tin cans and taking the, the maple sap and boiling it and having maple syrup. And my dad had this thing sometimes, he had these sayings that as I grew up, I was like, yeah, it's good. What did he just say? One of the things he always told me is like, you don't make maple syrup with pine sap. I was like, yeah, it's great. It makes no sense to me. And then I grew up and understood that you can actually try to make maple syrup with different types of saps from different trees. But it'll never be maple syrup. Because if you use a pine tree, it'll be pine syrup. Yeah, exactly. Or if you use corn, it's going to be high fructose. Um, because a maple tree will produce maple syrup, right? If you go, I don't like peaches. I'm sorry, I live in the peach state, I know. I'll try to eat one fresh one. Maybe I'll be able to. I just, it's just, but a peach, a peach tree produces 
Okay, you get in there. You get olive oil out of? Peanut oil out of? Baby oil out of? That's, that's. Let's not go there, okay? I digress, I digress. But, <laughs> yeah, I know sometimes, right? So Paul starts talking about the fruit of the Spirit in us. Of course, he talks about it in chapter 5 of Galatians, but all of a sudden he talks about being humble, being patient, being full of love, and that is the fruit of the Spirit. Sometimes we, we use this as, oh, this is the fruit that God gives us. Well, a fruit is, is produced, you, you don't, the peach doesn't say, well, I want to be a peach now. Well, I want to be an apple. Well, you know what? I don't want to be a peach anymore. I want to produce some maple syrup because it's so good. The peach tree will always produce a peach. So when we have the spirit within us, the fruit that will be produced will be spiritual fruit. That's how it works. It's not like, I want, to have, I want to have more patience. Then we strive for patience. No. Oh, I want to be more loving, so I strive to love people. No. It's not about the striving because it's about the submission to what he's doing. Very different. Because the mindset changes everything on this one. I try, but Christian life is so hard sometimes. I really want to love people, but people are not that always easy to love. I don't know about you, but I found a few of them that way, right? So it's not about trying more. It's about submitting more to what he's doing in our lives. So that's why Paul goes on that unity is also about submission. It's not about trying to produce something. It's about letting God do something. Here's how he, go, here's how he says it. He knows that conflict is going to happen. He's talking to Greeks and, you know, and the Jewish people, slaves and free, people that live by the Spirit, people that don't live by the Spirit, people that are vaxxed and not vaxxed. He's talking about all of that. Whoa. Right? There's so many reasons to, oh, he's a Republican. I'm a Democrat. You can't love the Lord if you're not. Whoop, whoop. Yes, I'm going to go there. Our unity is not based on a religious affiliation. It is not based on a political party. It is not based on a vaccine statement. It is based on who we are in him. So, but Paul knows that we'll take all these labels and he'll break us up. And this is where Paul says so nicely, you know, always be humble. Really? I want to say how good I am. 
Be patient. I want to tell him right away what I'm thinking because it's my opinion and I share it. I know none of you like this. Right? <laughs> Always be humble. Let's start with this one, okay? Oh, gosh. Humility always calls for unity. But unity is fueled by humility, though. C.S. Lewis puts it perfectly when he says this. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking less about yourself. I'm not good enough for this. No, 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 no. That's like humility. That's really false humility, and that's not sure what the right word would be in English. You'd be denigrating yourself. I'm not even sure if that's a word in English or not, but I just did. It was a good word. Yeah, that would scrabble, guys, right there. Points right there. There was a D, a G. There, just good, good letters in there. But it stop thinking about your navel, and it's like, you know, all oh, the precious. It's all about me. It's not all about you. Because it's not. To keep unity, it can't be about you. Even if unity starts with you. Thank you, Pastor. <laughs> Thinking less about ourselves allows all other people to grow around us. It gives space for us to meet somewhere in between. Because it's not about me. You wronged me. But I'll think less about me this morning. You did this to me. Yeah, they probably did. But humility is about making the space so we can meet somewhere. Because I got to think less about myself a little bit. I, I don't know about you. That is something that I need to let the Spirit work in me. Because when I'm doing business with people, it's all about me. I want it to be about me. And when I'm in an argument with someone, trust me, I want to win the argument. I don't want to finish second or have a tie. I want to win it. None of you are like that. Spouses don't answer. Don't talk about your wife or your husband. Don't go there. But that's just it. Unity is fueled by humility. It's not about being right. Oh, this is going to be hard for the next few seconds. I just want to set it up, okay? Because Paul knows what's going on. He's got humans in front of him. He's been with them over two and a half years. And he knows the disagreements about people. They've done business with each other and stop doing business with each other. They've talked together, and they stopped talking to each other. But they meet in the Sunday morning, oh God, you glorious Jesus, we praise you. And Paul says, yes, remember, you are one though. So always be humble about it. It's not because you're right, I'm wrong, by the way. In an argument, just as you remember, and it's not because I'm right that you're wrong. We could both be right and not even know it. We could also, both of us could be wrong. 
And if we're arguing too much about it, we're probably wrong, wrong both of us. But when we're humble about it, we can actually leave some space for God to talk to each other. And that's why Paul says, be patient. Because changing my mind doesn't happen overnight. You can ask Chantel. Get up early to make sure, you know, Stefan's going to change his mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about being right. It's about being together. Okay, let me repeat this one because I want you to think about somebody that you don't want to be with. It's not about being right. You wrong me. I am right in what I deserve. It's about being together. This means a few things. We've got to be patient and believe that what God is doing in their lives might take some time also because it doesn't happen overnight in your life. Why would it happen overnight in their lives? Right? It takes time. Be patient. I know. I want to be patient yesterday. We all want that. And that's why we pray for people, right? God, change their minds. How about you? We pray, God, change my mind. Bring something different. And how I'm feeling about that person, about that situation. And then he goes on to be gentle. <laughs> like, I mean, all these qualities I don't really like, to be, to be honest. If you're a man like me, you're like, those are too, don't get me wrong. I think they're just too feminine. Gentle, I'm just, you know, be gentle. I be, if somebody comes up to me and says, oh, you're such a gentle man, I'll be like, thank you. And then I'll go to my wife and say, what did he mean by that? <laughs> but then I read scripture and Jesus says, come to me if you're tired. This unity will always make you tired because you're working and you're walking your spiritual life out of alignment. And you're pulling in a way that God is trying to say, no, no, no this is the way. Not to quote the Mandalorian, Mandalorian or whatever. Right? So it's tiring. That's why God, Jesus himself said, come to me for I am gentle at heart and humble also. Okay, so somebody says I'm humble and gentle. I'm like, okay, I got a good example there. So I'm good now. But that's what he says. And then he goes on. Be patient, you know, because this unity is going to happen and disagreements will happen, and all of that is going to happen. It's, it's a given. It's a given. And then the last thing he says is this one, because I think it's pretty funny to me. And he says, make allowance for each other's faults. No. No. It's skin and bones when you offend me. But give me room when, you, when I offend you, though. I know you're not like that. But if you are, you can laugh a little bit, okay? Thank you, Chuck, because I just called you up. Right? Give me all the grace, because you know I'm, I'm still work in progress. Come on. Come on. Give me some space, please. Oh, you did this to me? Let me note it in my notebook so I can remember it for the next 15 years. Make allowance. The idea is to give margin. Give some space. 
Because if you're a work in progress, I mean, I am, we all are. We all of us are. So we got to make allowance for each other's faults. It doesn't say for our mishaps, for our faults. I'm going from the fault you want one point. Please make allowance for that when, it's, when it happens. And pray for me when that happens. I'll pray for you also when you do something, when you wrong me too. And when you wrong each other. Because unity is ours and it's ours to keep. So we know this, right? So we make allowance. Because of your love, I'm like, Paul, stop it, man. It's just in one verse. You're asking me so much. I can't. This is where we need the, the, the stool right now, right? It's like, Jesus. You know that love that covers a multitude of... We take it, oh, he's, his love is going to cover all of our sins. That's not the context of this one. Because I love you, I'll cover the sins you've done against me. Or my wife, or the, what you've said about my kids, of what you said about my work, or what you've done against my company, or what you, and the list could go on. Love will do that to us. And we should, do, and we should use that with love. You know that pastor that didn't leave his church? For six months, I was the, I could not stand the man. He had a proven life of ministry. We're talking a few decades. In an instant, in a 10-minute phone call, decades of ministry, to me, were wiped out. He didn't have no moral fault. He did not steal. He didn't embezzle the church. He didn't do any of that. But to me, ooh, the precious right? Lost all of that. Took me six months just to be able to look at him in the face because I knew where he was. We were in the same church fellowship. And then one day I went to him and shook his hand. And I told him how great he was for all of his years of ministry. And I did this like this. Because a house divided against itself, it doesn't stand. So the house we were building as a church at that time, I had part in the disunity of it. It took six months. Spirit of God just moving and me just submitting. I prayed for him on that day. Oh gosh, it was good. I can say it laughing now because that brought us to something different, to a church that I was there for 17 awesome years. But if that doesn't happen, this here doesn't happen because I'd probably be where I was, thought I was going. But I had to make allowance and I wasn't ready for that. Making allowance is not easy for people. Being patient and showing love is not easy because we have to submit to, to what he's doing to us. 
because unity is also in action. If we keep on talking about what Paul says, make every effort. I'll pray about it. That's not an effort. Sorry. I'm st I still have people say, you know, you want to join our team? Yeah, I'll be praying about it. They're still praying about it. Some of them are in the grave now and they're still praying about it. So I, I don't know, right? Praying is not an action in the sense of we have to do something about it. Make every effort. Be eager to maintain the peace. Have the endeavor to keep the peace. Guarded, the Passion Translation says. Work diligently. You know why? Because it's easy to lose. Because we are human. Because it's not easy getting, a, getting along with everybody. But still, Paul says, keep it, guard it. Make sure it's okay. Because miracles happen in the mundane of our lives. Oh, we can pray for healing that, you know, my knee's wrecked and Jesus healed me. And yes, of course. Of course. But the small miracles that happen every single day in the relationships that we need to build with each other, the miracles happen there. The mundane all of a sudden becomes important. Those are where the actions need to be taken. This is where when somebody wronged you, you go to them. Oh, you wronged me. <laughs> no, no, no. Be humble about it, right? Would you want to be approached that way? <laughs> I don't think so. Well, don't try that one with me. That, I'll go really defensive really quickly. But Jesus said, I pray that they may be one as we are one. I mean, okay, Jesus, we get it. We get it. So four things you can do about working hard at unity is have those conversations you need to have. Don't wait for the other party to come to you. Okay, let me repeat this one. Have the conversation you should have. Not in a month. Our unity as a church is at stake here. Oh, he sits in front, I'll sit in the back. Oh, she comes to church, I ain't going. Oh, she likes everybody's pictures, she doesn't like mine, I won't like hers. <laughs> Ooh, oh, come on, no one here feels appreciation when there's more likes than usual in their pictures, right? Right, but have the conversation this week. Let me use Paul's words. I beg you. That's one thing you can do. That's an active conversation. And before you actually go out the conversation, think about it, okay? So, you know, try to say it the way you want to receive it. <laughs> seek to get, and when you have that conversation, the second thing is seek to understand their position. It's going in the humble. That's good. That's good. Try to seek their understanding. Not to make your point. Yeah. But to seek understanding. Third thing, do some listening. Let them talk. This is hard for me. 
Gotta, gotta be honest. Chantal, don't be laughing when I say that. <laughs> Love my wife, 32 years almost. But still. And I'll say this one, okay? I won't even set it up. I'll just say it. Ask for forgiveness. It takes two to tango, right? Unity needs at least two people. Ask for forgiveness. You know what? I've been thinking ill about you. God has been speaking to me. And it shouldn't be that way. When conversations happen, healing begins. And when you listen, your disposition changes. And when you start understanding, you can fan the flame of forgiveness. And when you do forgive something that happened in the past, or even maybe still in the present, you can move forward to something else, to a brighter future, or to something else. Because unity brings our destiny also. That's what Paul says. Right? One glorious hope. That's what he calls us to. People need to find a place when they come here that is united. World is crazy enough to have a bunch of labels that differentiates them. We can make it together. And then it stems all from our identity. And then I'll ask the, the band to come up. Um, I, I want to end up with this one. Not because I... Paul talks all about how important the unity is. And then he says this. Because I forgot to use one word so far. One word that Paul used. And I didn't use it. Willingly. Okay? Um... How many of you would say, this ain't easy, Stefan. I mean, you're asking me to keep united with people. Honestly, I want to show a hands. Honestly. I, mine is risen too. Okay. Then it's like, okay, God, I'll, I'll believe you'll do this in me. Well, Paul starts verse one that we read today. I didn't read the, that word. It says, therefore. Remember when you're a kid, a see, you know a seesaw, right? It's fun, you know, you sit on one end and the, the other person sits on one end and then you jump and, you know, and if you're heavier than the other person, you just move a little forward, you just find the balance. And if you're really nasty, you just, you know, you jump and, and they're not ready and their butt hits the heart, the ground. None of you ever did that? Uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry to everybody I did that too. You know, got long legs. That's, that's what I used to say, right? So the seesaw principle is all about transferring one weight to the other side by using force or whatever. That's the principle of a seesaw. There is a principle, there is a seesaw principle in, the, in this verse. It says, therefore. And when you read therefore in the Bible, I'll always ask you this question. Why is it Therefore. Yes, for those who never heard that one, okay? Why is it there for? My favorite verse that I've used out of context most of my life is this one. Oh God, you can do whatever, you, whatever I can think. 
or pray or ask. You can do even more than that. Oh, that's awesome. God, I want this. I want that. I want to be able to accomplish this because you can do even more than I can think or imagine. That's awesome. And right, who's prayed this? Right? Awesome. Jesus, it's great. It's great. That is the last verse before unity. And then he says, therefore. That's why it's therefore. Because he knows it's hard to get along all the time. It's hard to stay united. And Paul says, this is our seesaw principle. I invite the band to come on stage. Because I think God needs to do something within me. And within you. Because if we pray correctly what he says, it's therefore because he can do more than we can imagine. More than we can ask for. We can be one. It's so hard. Well, he can do more than we can imagine. He's, he's, he's done me so wrong. I can't believe. He can do more than you can imagine. Because it's not about you. It's about what God can do with us. We'll sing the last song that we sang this morning. And before we actually, I'll invite you to come in front to pray. I'll be praying about a couple people that I might have to, ah, Jesus, I'm sorry. Because as I was getting this ready for the last couple of weeks, I'm like, oh, dang, Jesus, why are you bringing this guy back to my mind? Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll make amends. I'll go for it and I'll, and I'll go. <clears throat> so I'm sorry. This is where, if we can sing, oh God, I need your help now. This is, this is a good subject to say, oh God, I need your help now. So before we start singing, I just want us to rest here just for a few seconds. Just a few seconds. I went way longer than usual. I want us to stay here and let the Holy Spirit speak to us. If unity starts with you, and it does, what do I need to do to keep it now and to restore it? Who should I have the conversation with? And not put it, procrastinate again for another week, month, year, decade. God, we need you. We need to submit to what you tell us so we can produce the fruit that we're supposed to be producing. Our submission to you. I submit my heart to you, Jesus, this morning. I submit my soul to you this morning. I submit my will to you this morning. I submit my words to you this morning. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, this is a great time to say, I submit my life to you, Jesus. You've given all for me. I give my life to you. So Holy Spirit, speak to us. Before we sing, before we shout out that we need you, speak to us. This is how we're going to be closing service, okay? We'll be singing, and this, and this is you. Come in front. I'll have our community group leaders 
just come in front if somebody needs prayer specifically. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information about The Dwelling, visit thedwellingchurch.org.